Welcome to The Sweet Spot, the podcast for C-suite IT executives and leaders from C-suite leaders. And now for today's podcast, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Welcome, I'm Howard Holton and I'm here with Paul Lewis. And this is The Sweet Spot where we spend a, a good portion of a half an hour talking about things that we find interesting, hoping that you'll find them interesting. So See, it this does week, work. It does work. It does work. <laughs> so this week, we'd like to talk about um, the value of st strategy in leadership. Um, I don't mean the value of strategy when you're hiring leaders. I mean those leaders being strategic and having a strategic plan um, and the question that I really have, because this came up in a conversation that I had with an executive uh, earlier this week, is do all of your executive counsel need to have a strategy for their department, division, um, people, work, plan, whatever you want to call it? Or are there specific, uh, you know, verticalized folks that maybe don't need a, 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 to be strategic in thought but can be more tactical? So I'll start with that question for you. So my contention is everyone at the, at the EC level must be strategic. I find it strange that there would be an op opposing opinion to that. <laughs> the reason why I say that is because isn't that the point of executive leadership and that we're not individual contributors. Individual co contributors, I agree, in general, are day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month operators, right? They exist to perform you know, one to one many specific functions deliver on a specific output or good, right? You can think of um, account executives, SCs, uh, individual sort of campaign logistics managers, that all makes sense to me. But if you're leading a team of, or a team of teams, uh, it requires you to think ahead, even though you might have a tactical goal, like a quarterly revenue number, um, you still have quarters upon quarters to achieve longer term programmatic concerns, right? If I want to implement change, change takes years, change doesn't take weeks. And those changes require a strategy to know where the end goal is. It needs, you need a roadmap to determine where the waypoints need to be, right? You need an appreciation for what it's gonna cost and how many people are gonna require to implement those changes and therefore Anybody at the executive level needs a strategic plan to deliver on, at the very least, their section of the corporate strategic plan. No? Well, because isn't the opposite of strategy luck? Like a lack of strategy means you're relying on luck. Does that not make sense? And thus, it, I got to where I am today for whatever reason, but to get somewhere tomorrow, I either continue to rely on luck, in which case I'm a rowboat in the middle of the ocean, or I have charts and maps and a clear understanding of where I need to go and how to get there and how long it's going to take and the people and, and tools required. And I've, I've begun a mission and I'm going to see that through. Like those are, as far as I know, those are the only kind of two options that you have. You I, either I, wing it or you have a strategy. Yeah. I guess I'd argue it's either luck or brute force, right? Where it's, you, you kind of, 
work and hope it works out or brute force is you're rolling up your sleeves and forcing it to make it happen right you're but, you're but even that it depends ditch. on work it's just it's just lacks it or depends on luck right it's still i'm i'm in the right spot to make that work in which case i'm going to force it or it fell in like that's just a matter of 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 uh, uh perseverance it's a matter of um perspiration is the only okay. difference between brute force and luck Right. Fair enough. Right. Versus so what, what's the opposite argument there? So there, there must have been an argument in that conversation that this executive can be more tactical than not. Why? What, what, what was the, the reasoning? The, the question very specifically was, does a sales leader, a global sales leader need to be strategic? My response was every executive needs to be strategic. And there was a lack of understanding of what the strategy of a, of a head of sales would be. Like, what is that strategy? How do you define it? And I said, um, sell more is not a strategy. So what is a, what is a sales program look like? How do you do market sensing? How do you do market in? How do you talk to customers in a way that makes it compelling? What is the why that customers would even listen? Where is the sales support and what is the strategy behind sales support, right? What does the portfolio look like versus the individual products? And the fact is, um, without a sales leader that has a, any strategy, you rely on the individual product teams to create strategy, in which case you have a fractured strategy across your portfolio because every product has its own strategy. And the alternative to not having a strategy is... Uh, revenue forecasting focused or transactionally closing deals focused day to right. day. Am I making the money I need to make? That's but it becomes exceptionally transactional, right? It right. becomes exceptionally tactical. Did I make the money today that I needed to make today? Not is my strategy on point and do I need to adjust my long-term strategy so I can see out 18 months right. without a strategy? I'm looking at, just today, that's all I can do because I have no strategy. Does, today num does today's number stack on top of yesterday's number to hopefully get me the number I need in three months? It's not really a strategy. I wonder if business cycle has an impact on that perspective. In other words, let's say I'm only earning 20% of my quota uh, or the opposite where I'm blowing it away 300%. Does my time and effort on strategy make a difference to the business cycle? I would certainly hope so, yeah. right? Because it's the difference between um, no alignment and alignment. It's the why. If I've attained 20% in January, maybe my customer doesn't buy till October. And so that's normal. In which case, I need to be prepping for those sales that occur in October. Mm -hmm. How do I prep for those sales? That, that, what is my strategy to accomplish the sale that occurs in October? Right? How am I looking at, how am I providing the tools to the field so they can, so an individual account team can look at their individual accounts and understand what the buying strategy of their customer is. It's not as simple as just a question. And, and it's not something I think we natively are born with. So let's, let's take sales executive out of, out of the conversation and replace it with chief legal officer. Does the same rule apply? Absolutely. So what's the long-term planning of the chief legal officer? Or the Reduce risk and mitigate liability. Okay. Reduce risk and mitigate liability, right? It's 
GDPR is in discussion, right? It's in committee, it's not even defined, and we're starting to receive drafts. How do we ensure that in the three in three years when this draft, whatever the, the draft becomes ratified, and that goes into law and becomes enforceable, how do we ensure that the organization decreases liability related to GDPR in those three years? Right? Because right? one would think that, that it's hard to be strategic when your job is responsive, but half the job's responsive, half the job's predictive. Right? How do I reduce the liability that's being caused through the decisions the business makes every day? Right? What does the training program need to look like? What is, you know, where, where are we spending our time and money related to risk and liability and how do we reduce that? And what is that strategy, right? And what's, what's being forecast? There's a ton on, on that, in that space that's being forecast. So how do I develop a program that takes advantage of that? Even if GDPR doesn't apply today, right? To, to get really specific on the legal thing, um, GDPR or something like it will apply. And so how do I take a look at my organization and say, knowing this or something like it is probably coming, what's the purpose of GDPR? Right? What, is, what, what were they trying to solve with that legislation? And how do I better align the organization to accomplishing that goal? So when whatever version of GDPR does apply to me do, applies, I'm already moving that direction. So rather than a huge upset, I just have to change course a little bit to, to finally comply. And, and I, I haven't seen many organizations intelligently do that to be honest. Most of them tend to be, um, we're going to put our, our head in the sand and we're going to ostrich until it becomes a problem. And then, it, then it's a massive problem, right? Then it's a $98 million fined problem rather than a, you know, the, ra rather than the purpose of GDPR is realizing that, that it's incumbent upon us to be good custodians of our customers' data. And then simply how do we become good custodians of our customers' data as a fundamental portion of our operating knowledge and, and process. Mm -hmm. Appreciating that top talk track could be another podcast. If I, if I were to displace chief legal officer with CIO, right? Or CTO, the same dichotomy exists. And I don't even want to say that it, it's, it's, it's about ensuring that I have both. I'm balancing between the strategic focus of being a CIO and the tactical focus of being a CIO. Yes, I'm judged on keeping the lights on. Yes, I'm judged on ensuring that uh, the projects are delivered when they need to be delivered on. Yes, I'm judged on whether I'm spending more money than I said I was going to spend, both OPEX and CAPEX. However, it's not just about the short-term project delivery. I also have to ensure the health of the application portfolio over time. I have to ensure that I'm keeping reputational risk at bay by ensuring that our applications are up when they need to be up um, and that they're as secure as they need to be. And I need to have a strategic plan in place knowing that every single piece of software that I buy or build, every single piece of hardware that I acquire will have to be replaced in a shorter and shorter time frame, and I better have a programmatic plan in place to make that happen. Well, and, and I have to be willing to respond, anticipate, and plan for the things my board finds important and, and 
changes as those change, as well as what my competitors are doing, ensuring that I'm competitive in my, my vertical space, right? And knowing that, that the application staying up and running is dependent on my strategy from three years ago. Right. Because that's when I put the people in place. That's when I put the products in place. That's when I, I acquired the things, the, the people, the technology, the tools, the processes necessary to run that thing in production. It wasn't like that happened today and I'm relying on decisions made yesterday. I'm relying on decisions made three years ago, right? A strategic decision, a strategic plan. I've actually heard referred to as prepared for the turns, right? So the tactical requirement of a CIO is to ensure that they're not being called at 3 a.m. The strategic one is to ensure that they're prepared for the turns. The turn might be a business change, an acquisition or a divestification. Uh, a, a turn might be some sort of macroeconomic change. A turn might be a new technological evolution that I should ap apply to my business, like AI and machine learning. And my role is to ensure that I'm prepared for those turns in society and technology and the business in my own um, organization. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great analogy. And, and I immediately thought of a rally team. Have you ever watched a rally team? Oh, yeah, right. Right, so you drive the course, you drive the roads, you learn the area, you know your car exceptionally well, right? So you're super familiar with your, your tools, and then you've got the, it's a driver and a co-pilot and the co-pilot is, you know, ahead, medium turn followed by, medium left followed by sharp, sharp right over hill, right? It's this extreme kind of focus on those turns, but it comes from what is our overall strategy to handle this course? And I think that's kind of the important part, kind of the thing that you're talking about, right? I'm not going to handle uh, a track in Venezuela the same way I'm going to handle a track in Saudi Arabia. They're distinctly different. I'm not going to handle a track at sea level the way I handle one in the mountains. And it's kind of the same thing for a CIO, right? My strategy, I need to have a strategy for each of those things. And then I need to be, be able to, I need to be designed and set to be agile enough to handle the turns and have a strategy to know the turns are probably coming. See, I see the analogy is much more like the Jamaican bobsled teams in cool runnings. Right, and as they're preparing to run the bobsled race, they're in a bobsled on the ground, uh, you know, preparing for the turns. They knew what was left, what was right, where they had to bank, and they did that many, many times without even being on the track. They had to prepare for every turn before the turn occurred. Sure. So, so what happens? What happens when a company doesn't have a strategy? Hmm. <laughs> well, um, let's look at, I want to say city of Baltimore, right? They don't they have a strategy. A, well, their strategy was, um, we don't think it could happen to us. And so they had no remediation for, um, crypto locker and they were locked out for some number of weeks, hmm. right? There was another city that said, we won't pay the ransom. We will simply restore from backup only to find that they had no backups. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, I mean, it's not hard to see what the, what the, the lack of strategy causes. The lack of strategy is every time a company panics during any kind of downturn, you see the effect of that strategy because you're, they're not looking forward far enough. Like a downturn in the economy is a published known thing. We know what the indicators are. The financial markets talk about it at infinitum. Economists talk about it at infinitum. It shouldn't surprise you. And so your strategy should be, 
how am I going to deal with that knowing that that's likely um, in the future? What is my strategy for that? I don't have to enact that strategy today, right? Because that's going to be a, a different set of options. But what, is, what are my early indicators for that? And what are the actions that I should take to protect the business and reduce the risk of that causing some sort of catastrophic failure? And I think we see it all the time. I, you know, uh, we, what we don't see all the time is what happens when a strategy works out really, really well. Be, well, we see it in terms of financial success. No, is that not an issue? Sure. I mean, we, we, we see it, but we, but, but it's not quite as, it's not as glaring, I should say. Right. Right. We see it in the thousand kind of things that cause, well, a few companies now to become trillion dollar valuations. Right. And then the lack of planning we see in companies like WeWork. Right. Right. And there's no, no real ability to do champion challenger analysis, right? It's not like you can say in a single CIO or a single sales, you know, what would happen if I had some strategy in this part of my organization, but no strategy in another part of it. No, no, I don't, I don't know that I would do that. <laughs> it would be successful. Say, but what you can say is without a cohesive strategy that, that starts at the top, and it's the one place that waterfall still makes sense, right? Um, you can, you can absolutely trace in an organization where the strategy starts and stops as a, almost like a forensic analysis. There was strategy here, there was strategy here, there was no strategy here. And if you look, just by looking at parallel teams, you'll know if the, if the people above them had a strategy. Because every, every piece of the waterfall below the top reflects the strategy above it, right? And so when teams develop their own strategy, but are not, don't have a cohesive single strategic focus, you can tell there's no strategy above them. I, especially important to, you know, write out your strategic objectives and ensure that they directly align to the objectives of the organization above you. Right? Correct. And you if know, you have one, you should publish it. Right. <laughs> right. A strategy that no one knows is also not a strategy. Right. Right. Can you imagine a general on the battlefield? All right, sir, we're going to war tomorrow. What's the strategy? I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> right. Probably not going to be effective. Sir, we have logistics we need to worry about. Uh, I'll tell you tomorrow. Right. It's probably, you know, we're not going to win a lot of wars that way. And, and measured against it. Right. You, you need to be able to see that you've implemented change tactically that actually positively affected the strategic objectives, even if you didn't check the mark entirely on that objective as a whole. Sure. How do you measure the success, right? What's the success criteria and how do you measure it? And then is it a, is it a, like, is it a pass fail? Is it a percentage? Um, and then what do you do given a pass? What do you do given a fail? What do you do given a certain percentage? Like, I right. think all those things are, are part of a strategy. But I would also encourage, like, if you have no strategy today, you have to start somewhere. Start somewhere. So in what circumstances is strategy while existing de-emphasized? So in what circumstances would I worry less about the strategy because of a short-term or significant implication that I need to deal with? If your strategy is too rigid, your strategy still needs to be able to consider what happens tomorrow, right? A perfect strategy has every contingency planned for and you know what you're going to do. So you can become less concerned with your strategy when what happens tomorrow wasn't considered in your strategy. Then that becomes part of the after action report for dealing with the thing that happened. 
and you should be open to major event strategic change. If there's a major acquisition or a major divestiture or there is some macroeconomic uh, change that are affecting tariffs, like these are major things that you should be able to still change. It's not a locked in document. Sure, Uh, but you you don't get rid of your strategy, right? You alter your strategy to take those into consideration. Right. Right. We're not ignoring the strategy. We're simply... We're simply agile enough, flexible enough that we can incorporate that into our strategy or our strategy can incorporate that, right? And then our strategy changes. The outcome changes. The decisions we make may change. Um, and it may be based on things that we have no control over, but that's okay. We just have to accept that that change, that that change is here and then change it. But what if it's the wrong strategy? You, you've implemented this for five years you didn't end up in the place you expected to go to. Uh, and be- that could have been external factors or internal factors, but now you realize in hindsight that you should have done something else. Well, you change. Like, okay. I mean, the whole point is I'm, I'm not acting three months in advance. I'm acting today. I'm planning 18 months in advance or two years or three years in advance, right? So I still have to, I'm still the man on the ground, right? Um, uh, There was a a military leader that said, um, uh, all strategy is is effective until you encounter the enemy or all strategy falls apart upon the first time you encounter the enemy. Like that's kind of accurate, right? I have to be able to react based on what happens in reality. And so I change based on what I'm seeing on the ground. If my strategy is not complete, if my strategy is inefficient, if my strategy is flat out wrong, then I need to be a big enough person to change it. It's not, you're not big if you stick to your guns and say, no, I know I'm right and drive yourself into the ground and the company along with you. And there's time sensitive differences in a strategy. Your vision and mission should have a longer term uh, strategic impact than your annual objectives. (laughs) You should be able to make adjustments to your strategy in your annual objectives that don't necessarily affect the long-term vision and mission of the company. Correct. But, but I would also challenge if you lack a long-term vision and mission of the, of the company, your annual objectives are going to be all over the place, right? The, the, the point is actually to give you focus during choppy waters. This is our long-term objective. This is where we want to be. Um, Facebook just had an earnings call and they talked about Oculus, right? They acquired Oculus um, and they talked about that. And, and when they acquired Oculus, the very first call that was had, um, uh, Zuckerberg said, Oculus is a 10-year acquisition. We are not going to see the benefit of Oculus for 10 years. And he referred back to it and he continues to refer back to it. It's a 10 year strategy. Of course, they're going to change. And he talked about the change, right? But a strategy and a strategy isn't just one thing. It's not just a 10 year plan. It's a 10 year plan plus a five year plan plus three, three year plans plus one year plans and maybe three month and six month plans, right? It's not, it doesn't have to be this one thing, this one document, this one piece. And the CEO strategy and the CIO strategy don't need to be the same thing or the same time. They just should roll up to each other and complement each other, right? The CEO strategy and the CIO strategy should be in concert, not in conflict. Which brings us back to the original perspective and point, which I still find intriguing. 
if the original conversation with the executive was in this circumstance, is it reasonable or not reasonable for the senior executive to be more tactical than strategic? And if your answer, it seems to be, was they still need to be strategic, why was it reasonable that they weren't? What, what was the reasoning why they didn't have to be strategic? Because they simply, the, the executive simply didn't understand why sales needs to be strategic. I see. And I would challenge that's a strategic failing. Right. Right. That's, that's a not, not a clear understanding of strategy. Um, and one of the things we didn't talk about, and I know we're running t tight on time here, so we'll, I'll try not to make it long, um, but strategy has a direct impact on culture. Hmm. Right. Um, and morale. And when those kind of choppy waters come, right, when those unexpected things come, it really exposes your weakness or lack of a strategy in that your people no longer feel that they have clear foundation under their feet. They don't know where the company is going. I didn't know where it was going yesterday, but, but be, because of luck and, and perseverance, we pushed forward in the same direction we were pushing yesterday. Well, today, something has deflected us from that goal, and that goal was never declared. It was just where we were pushing. And so that deflection has occurred, and now that lack of strategy reflects directly on the morale. Now I don't know what's going to happen. Now I can no longer see the finish line that I thought we were all going towards. And since we don't have a strategy, I, don't, I just made up the finish line anyways, but at least it was comfortable. Right? And I think that's something we, don't, we tend not to think about because it is really, really hard to develop those strategies. They take work, they take effort, right? Um, it's necessary, it's part of a business, but it isn't, it isn't what I would call easy. Um, but, but boy, the moment those, those rocky points come up, the moment that choppy water comes, that thing you couldn't plan for that you didn't see coming, a merger, an acquisition, a, a change in economy, a recession, whatever it happens to be, um, that lack of strategy starts to really weigh on, the, the effect of that starts to be felt by the, by the people who who uh, should be the most insulated from it. Yep, and it's the clear reason why uh, 100 people rowing a boat, if they're not rowing in the same direction, you're not gonna go anywhere. It's a, right, right, it's a, and it's easy to mitigate that in, in calm waters, right? If 80% right. are rowing in the same direction, okay, we're still moving forward. But the moment the waves start coming at you from two directions, the moment the wind picks up, right, and the boat now starts to turn because the, the hull of the boat is, is, is in fact a sail, those 20, those 20 people are now being helped by the wind, pull the boat in a direction we absolutely don't want to go. And before long, you're in a position where you're capsized. Right. And it can't be word of mouth on, on, how, on how you should survive this. It must have already been known, already right. been trained. It's and it can't be, be in your, Yeah. Right. A boat swain is one person that calls out the tempo based on the place the captain wants to be. It's not a committee. There's not 15, 15 people. We don't break those, all of those 100 rowers into groups of five and have a different boatswain for each one. One person makes the decision. One person calls the cadence. One person determines the strategy. You may discuss it beforehand, but once it's being called, there's one person. Right. It's one strategy. It's not 100. So. Well, that was a valuable conversation. I think that was good. Um, I hope you all found it useful. I hope our, 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 uh, our listeners find our conversations useful and uh, maybe a list, little less rambly than our general conversations. <laughs>
And uh, we hope you'll join us again for the next podcast. So I'm Howard Holton. And I'm Paul Lewis. And this is The Sweet Spot. Thank you very much.